and welcome to Farfetched Stories. I'm fantasy author R.E.M. Verberg, and I'm your host on here. Before we continue with episode 2 of The Raven's Stole, here's a brief recap. In episode 1, we met the Raven, a member of the Vanta race who's bound to dwell in Tanya to help the humans rebuild it. He feels he's failing at his task, but just when he decides to abandon it and leave Tanya for good, his old friend the Sparrow gives him a new assignment. Your narrator for this episode is Diana Moore. Alex Liu provided the music. For full credits and more information, please visit remverberg.com. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. The next episode will be out on February 18th. Enjoy, thank you for listening, and have a great day. Raven's Toll, Episode 2, Embers of the Past. What? The raven shook his head and blinked. A new assignment, the sparrow repeated. The edges of the dream started to dissolve. He had trouble getting it back into focus. The sparrow's words kept escaping him, like fish in a pond, slipping from his fingers. She touched his arm, and the dream shifted. The world became solid again. The two of them were still in the Thunya of two hundred years ago, but they had moved away from the golden field. This time, they sat in a narrow space between two dark ivy hedges that curled and twisted around them. Above, the sky was a tight, deep blue drum, with the sun piercing through and casting light over their faces. Stay with me, the sparrow said. I need to tell you about the assignment. The raven backed away. A strand of ivy twisted around his arm. Don't, he said. Don't do this. Be reasonable. You know what you remained in Thunya for. He shook off the ivy. It curled back around his wrist immediately. Its forward-creeping urge pulsed through him, filled his veins, and for a brief moment he was overcome by the impulse to harness that urge, feed it, enhance it, until the ivy would strangle the sparrow anything to make her stop talking. She smiled knowingly, an oddly sympathetic smile. Of course she knew. She felt everything he felt. She had to suppress the same impulses he did. I know it's soon, she said. I'm not oblivious to your feelings. I just don't have the luxury to dwell on them. We need you now. He sighed. I'm tired of being needed. I'm tired of being chained to this fate. You know I wouldn't ask if the balance of Thunya wasn't at stake. Something sparked in his mind, a glimmer of interest. Who is it, then? A newly appointed Covenant commander. His interest flickered out, replaced by anger. The Covenant of the White Sun was a destructive, colonizing power. It slowly engulfed all of Thunya, running on an energy source it needed to destroy the world in order to maintain. The Covenant was the very thing Thetis had fought so hard against, the thing that had broken her in the end. No, he said, never. Remember, the Sparrow said, it's not our job to choose sides, only to guard the balance, 
He opened his mouth to contradict her when a ray of sun hit his face, distracting him. Its warmth on his cheeks evoked a long-forgotten memory. Happiness. Do you ever think, he heard himself say, that we could live a different life? Please. No, hear me out, he continued. I know we stayed in Thunya to do penance, to help the humans, but to live and never be able to use our power, never do what's right. Sometimes I wonder if it's really helping. He looked at her. What if we could live among them again instead? Really live, and use our skill for good. The sparrow seemed to age before his eyes. Slowly, she shook her head. Every day, she said. Every day, I think about that. But you know we can't. You know the consequences of what we did. The raven shifted out of the sunlight. The memory seeped out of him leaving him hollow. So I'm not ever supposed to be a person again, he said. I'm supposed to just join the enemy. That commander is not the enemy, the sparrow said sharply. He's a young, confused man who needs your help. Anger flashed through him, burned at his fingertips. What help? He got up. I'm not allowed to choose between right and wrong. I can never act on what I feel. What help is that? The sparrow got up too. The only help we can safely give. I don't believe that, he shouted. If I'd used the skill, I could have helped Thetis. At least I could have done something. Oh, you want to do something, the sparrow shouted back. You want a reminder of what we can do. She gestured wildly around her. Before her hands, the ivy bent and drooped to the ground. She'd taken its need to conserve energy and stretched it to the extreme. Within seconds, it was dead. Look, the sparrow commanded, her eyes flashing. Look at what we did. Another shift in the dream. This time, the two of them stood on top of a hill, with a forest burning around them. The war. She'd taken them back to the time they'd fought together. The raven stood like a rock, his legs anchored into the earth, heat caressing his face. His whole being was filled with destruction. His outstretched arms mercilessly bent the trees, drawing their sap from one side to the other, snapping their trunks. Falling trees thundered through the flames. Down below, people shouted in agony. Next to him, the sparrow joined her strength to his, their arms parallel, flames casting an orange light over her face. She glanced in his direction and smiled. A vantaman stumbled from the tree line up the hill a member of the opposing faction. The raven did not see the pain in the man's eyes, nor the flames that ate at his flesh. He saw only an enemy. He nodded to the sparrow and redirected his power, scouring the enemy's mind for the right impulse, a latch to hook his fingers behind. Worry. Worry about a family left behind in the forest. Light as a feather at first, the raven started feeding into that worry, tickling the enemy's mind. Where are your loved ones? Are you sure they're safe? Slowly, he turned up the force, a pot of water coming to the boil. Where are they? Where are they? With a pained scream, the enemy turned and ran back into the burning forest. Seconds later, the sparrow sent a tree down on him. Both of them felt the knot of the man's life force flaring up in their own chests, then forever coming undone. 
Tears streamed across the raven's face. The sparrow and he were sitting beneath the big tree in the golden field again, in the first part of the dream. It was night here now. It was two hundred years later. They were what they were, and what they had done could never be undone. Even without looking, he felt the sparrow's grief mirroring his own. Blindly, he found her hand in the dark. All right, he mumbled. I'll do it. He woke up alone, on the shore of Nymira. It took him a while to remember where he was, and what he had agreed to. The sparrow had visited him in dreams before, but never before had she made him revisit their shared past. The shame of it still burned through him, as did the weight of his new assignment. He sat up and blinked against the light of a new day. For two weeks, he had camped out in this dune hollow. His bed of thin blankets did not provide much comfort, but it did offer a view of the White Tower. The Order of Nairid operated from here, the order that had sent his Thetis to fifteen years on Alaris. He'd seen the prison barge leave on that pale morning two weeks ago, carrying Thetis away. He'd watched until his eyes burned, and the barge was only an afterimage, a tiny dot dissolving into a choppy sea. Pain twisted his insides all over again. Past memories bled into present ones until his mind was a jumbled mess. The burning man on the hill, Thetis in the barge, and he, forced to be an onlooker. He clenched his hands into fists. He understood why the sparrow had given him a new assignment, and he understood he had no choice but to do it. But he also knew he could not bear to stand idly by and let evil win. Not again. A small weety bird fluttered down and landed on some marum grass on the other side of the dune. The bird was barely more than a plume of feathers. The raven could feel its ravenous hunger, its barely repressed desperation. And inside the dune, he felt something else. A beetle. The salty wind blew a strand of long black hair into his face. He swept it away, feeling the tears from last night that had dried on his cheeks. He knew he couldn't. He shouldn't. But he did. A barely palpable redirection, a suggestion of warm sunlight to the beetle. The weedy veered from its home, diving for the sand. When it came back up, the beetle writhed in its beak. The bird cocked its head, shaking sand off its feathers, and swallowed the food. It looked at the raven. It started to sing. The raven stared back at the tiny bird. Slowly, Slowly, he started smiling. Then he took one last look at the white tower and got up to gather his belongings. <laughs>